from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. She was like, Kendall, you almost died. She was like, there's no reason why you should do this campaign. I mean, House District 5 will always be there one way, shape, or another. I'm not replaceable. And she had to really get into the nitty-gritty like, Kendall, I know you want this, but let's wait. And possibly you could run in a different area, but here I could tell you was going to, this was going to almost be your demise. I'm Sarah Fenske. This year, Kendall Martinez-Wright announced she was running for the Missouri House with an eye to becoming the first openly transgender person elected to the Missouri legislature. The Democrat hoped to represent a district in the Missouri House that includes her hometown, Palmyra. Kendall Martinez-Wright earned national publicity for her campaign as a black Puerto Rican trans woman running to represent small-town America. But she dropped out of the race last month, and she joins us today to explain why. Kendall Martinez-Wright, welcome. Thank you so much, Sarah, for allowing me to be here today. And I do want to just put in a word of warning about our conversation. This discussion will include sensitive topics such as suicide and sexual assault. So please listen with discretion. And if you or someone you know is in a crisis situation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's 1-800-273-8255. Again, that number is 800-273-8255. So, Kendall, let's talk about your story. Uh, The Missouri legislature seems like maybe not the most welcoming place for a black trans woman. What made you want to run? So it was um, around fall, around this time last year, and I was helping with the camp. I was working on a campaign, uh, Judy Baker's senatorial campaign. And then on top of that, I was involved with a national, with a national uh, march with a bunch of young adult organizers in front of the Supreme Court. And it just, everything kind of just fell into play of not only the 12 years of me doing advocacy work, but also just being immersed in politics for a good amount of time. And that just gave me that push of like, you know what, I'm going to take that chance and let's see about this uh, campaign life. And that's when I uh, officially announced, uh, I, I officially announced on February 15th, actually on my birthday. And then I did like a soft relaunch, a, a relaunch technically on in April. Okay. So from everybody we've talked to, we've tried to hit up people who, who know things about Missouri history, they believe you might be the, the first openly trans person to run for the Missouri legislature. Were you conscious of this being a historic effort, that this was a first? Oh, yeah. Um, I knew firsthand that I would be not only the first Afro-Puerto Rican trans woman to run in Missouri, but also I will be the first nationwide um, as the, 
an Afro-Puerto Rican trans woman running for a state elected, uh, for a state house seat, mm -hmm. which is huge because um, there's only a handful of uh, openly trans women uh, running in for this uh, upcoming midterm election. So I knew the pressure was going to be on point, but when it came down to really showcase who I am in Palmyra, that kind of brought in a little extra pressure. Hmm. So you earned a lot of national publicity because, as you say, you know, you you check a lot of boxes there on, on being a first. Did that bring in a lot of donations to your campaign? I did get a nice bit of them, but it wasn't what I expected. Um, it was very, very, it was on the low side. Um, and then on, but when it came down to support, I had support from all over. Uh, and then in Missouri, in the political realm, they made sure that there was no hate towards me, no uh, negative connotations. And I, I definitely appreciate that. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, things were going well. You were getting this national publicity. Some donations were coming in. You ended up suspending your campaign on September 24th. Why? So the last three months was, it was such a hot mess express in terms of mental health. Yeah. Um, when it came down to it, I realized that I was in a manic depressive episode uh, with, them, with my bipolar disorder. And I didn't even realize that I was in that state because I tend to be very hands-on and very particular. Mm -hmm. And I found myself like really diving deep into this really bad area. And I really had a hard time trying to paint a happy face. Um, it felt like I was alone, mm -hmm. even though I had friends and family and everybody, you know, helping me out, trying to cheer me up, trying to make sure that I stay on a good playing field. I, I felt restrained and just very alone. And it was the last few weeks that was the worst weeks and it I mean, I was in a very, very dark place and a lot of people wouldn't even notice, especially mm -hmm. with some pictures. They would think, oh, Kendall, you're doing good. And deep down, I was questioning my own um, existence. Mm -hmm. And I understand that there was a trip to St. Louis that then really aggravated this bad place that you found yourself in. Can you just t tell us briefly what happened that, that ended up making things even worse? Yeah, so I went to St. Louis to support a, a, two dear friends of mine for their uh, relaunch for their campaign and, um, you know, just a few other events. And um, one night, me and my dear friend, we went out and just having a girls' night, celebrating just being us. We met some two individuals one of them was a very kind individual another one was also pretty kind but it turns out that individual um he had other motives and so that night 
it um i'm trying not to cry i'm sorry T take your time it really showed he really showed me once everything once we left the bar that he had another motive okay. and he tried to pursue my friend first she turned she was like nope this ain't gonna happen then he went to me and he was on the prowl with me mm. and let's just say he did things that made me feel like nothing and it really it, it really put the icing on the cake of seeing if I'm a, um, able to continue living my life. So that really kind of pushed you to the edge right there. Yeah. 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 And so after you left St. Louis, you're back in Palmyra. Um, you ended up deciding you weren't sure you wanted to live. Yeah, actually, that Sunday, um, I left uh, once I boarded the bus because I don't drive, so I usually take bus or train. And I went on the bus. At first, I was feeling okay, but that suicide monster, as I call it, was really screaming at me. Mm. And by the time I got to Palmyra, I... Not only I was tired, but I was physically, mentally, emotionally done. Mm -hmm. And I proceeded throughout that day to write three notes, three suicide notes. One to my mom and my sister. One to my friends. Uh, my friends. And then one specifically to the Missouri General Assemblies. And I then proceeded to take 10 times the lethal dosage of Benadryl. And, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And so that's, I mean, that could have easily gone so terribly awry. But you're here today. Did someone come in and find you in time? What, what happened? So I don't remember mm -hmm. what happened after I went to sleep. My mom this is per my mom's um, observations. I walked into her room, and I, I live with my mom also because mm -hmm. I help her out. And um, I walked into her room, and I was going in and out of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And she was actually getting ready to go to work. It was Monday, early Monday morning, around 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock. And... I was not doing too good. I was um, going in and out of consciousness. I was having trouble breathing. Um, when the amp when I was getting transported actually to blessing, I, my heart actually I went to uh, cardiac arrest oh two times. So it was something. Yeah, I mean that that just sounds horrible. And and I have to ask, I mean. How are you feeling today? Are you are you still in that bad place that that led you to that? Uh, I'm I'm not in a bad place. Um, I will say I do have my moments, but it's getting a little bit better each week. 
upon getting my diagnosis of bipolar disorder, uh, I started on a new medication regimen and I've been really good with that. And then um, I um, see a good therapist and counselor and they helped me tremendously. And then also I just took time just to focus on me, mm-hmm. um, which I haven't done. I went from the regular session of the Missouri General Assembly to campaign life and then trying to do advocacy. And I, I burnt myself out. And now I'm my energy and everything is slowly getting back to um, normal. And I will say my mom, she was more happy when I was, it was two weeks after my suicide attempt and I laughed for the first time. And it, that, and she was like, she knew that I was in the process of getting better. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. What, what a relief. And it sounds like suspending your campaign is maybe part of this process of, of getting better, um, deciding that you're not going to run for office. You've got to take care of yourself first. Yeah. The conversation first came up uh, about a month prior to the attempt. I freaked out. I was like, no, I don't know about that because I'm, I'm very resilient. I get it from my mom and my dad. And when people would say, Kendall, you need to take it easy. I get, that scares me. I was the type of, I can push through, I can push through. But my mom, she was like, when she, when she visited me in the hospital, she was like, Kendall, you almost died. Mm -hmm. I almost had to, out if if it wasn't for me not going to work and for me actually paying attention what's going on, I would be doing your funeral and I would probably nine times out of ten not be the same person I am today. Mm-hmm. And she was like, There's no reason why you should do this campaign. I mean, House District Five will always be there one way, shape or another. I'm not replaceable. And she had to really get into the nitty gritty like, Kendall, I know you want this, but let's wait. Mm-hmm. And possibly you could run in a different area, but here I could tell you was going to, this was going to almost be your demise. We're talking today with Kendall Martinez-Wright. She's a resident of Palmyra, Missouri, who recently suspended her campaign to represent the state's fifth district in the Missouri House of Representatives. We need to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll hear more from Kendall about the recent struggles she's navigated and how she's not giving up on politics and advocacy. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at choosewood.com. 
Welcome back to St. Louis on the Air. We're returning now to our conversation with Kendall Martinez-Wright. She's believed to be the first openly trans person ever to run for the Missouri legislature. She sat down with us Friday, opening up about the mental health struggle that recently led to her suspending her 5th District campaign. We asked her what it was about running for office in Palmyra, Missouri, where she grew up, that was so hard for her. This was what Kendall said. It falls back into me running in a place that everybody literally watched me grow up in. Um, I moved to Palmyra when I was uh, three years old. And, I mean, everybody knows me of my past gender. But when it comes down to me expressing my, you know, my gender identity, me expressing my authentic self, that was really hard on me. It was so difficult because it felt like they was invalidating my evolution of Kindle. Because I tell I told everybody um, back in Jeff City and St. Louis and a few other places like, you know, they know by now I'm out and proud and everything. But when it came down to really get into the nitty gritty, I mean, I have folks that I mean will still refer me as, hey, what's up, my dude, or. Mm. Literally invalidating, you know, me transitioning to a woman. Mm -hmm. And that was very hard. So less harassment or or violence and more just this idea that they weren't fully understanding or weren't interested in in understanding Mm -hmm. you as you are. Yeah, they they literally just say, oh, Kendall, he's the gay guy. He just dresses like a girl. And I'm like, no, I'm not a gay guy I'm currently going through hormone therapy and I'm transitioning to a woman mm-hmm. <laughs> and and yeah I mean it, it it's just it was very difficult do you see yourself in light of that do you plan to stay in Palmyra um I'll stay here as long as, you know until when the opportunity arises for me to move I know for sure I want to be close to um, my mom and my sister and my niece but at the same time uh, me living in Palmyra permanently uh, I just cannot see myself doing that because honestly that's another reason why it triggered my depressive episode. Mm-hmm. Kendall, you know, this has been such a hard period for you. Um, and now you're on medication. And, and as you said, you've laughed again, you're you're feeling better. Is there a message you'd want to share with people who are back where you were just a couple months ago when you were in that dark place? What would you want them to know today if they're listening to us talk? First, don't even attempt to take your own life. Um, it is not worth the pain of your family. It's not worth the heartache. It's it's not worth it. Um, also, it's not worth the medical bills. Uh, I'm definitely paying those off. And then, secondly, 
just know that when you think that there's nobody or you think that you feel like you're a burden or anything, there's people that will literally just hold you and let you cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is people out there that really showcase that truth, that love, that transition from love and strength to resilience and motivation and that will. And I just tell people just to keep on holding on. Don't give up. And it may sound e- it's it sounds easy said and then done, but trust and believe it's so much worth it. And I, I just couldn't imagine me not being here, how much of an impact that would have had not only within my family and friends, but um, even for Missouri. Mm-hmm. Well, we do want to remind uh, you, if you're listening, and if you or someone you know is in a crisis situation, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is always there. They're at 1-800-273-8255. Again, that number is 800-273-8255. So, Kendall, before you threw your hat in the ring to run for office, you'd been very involved with advocacy and and lobbying in Jefferson City. Do you intend to go back to Jefferson City in, in the near future to do that? Oh, most definitely. I'm going back this January. I, I tell everybody, it's my love. I, I just, even on the bad days, I enjoy it. It brings me happiness, not only to be in the halls, talking to uh, various electeds, but also just making, trying to make that impact, which is needed. And being that voice, which is very vital. Um, so I definitely am going to go be back in Jefferson City. Uh, hopefully, uh, um, a few organizations will um, uh, allow me to uh, represent them and whatnot. And I just, I just look forward to the new session. And I'm, I told everybody one way or another, I'm, I want. One of my bills to pass, the Missouri Non-Discrimination Act. I want that bill to pass and be signed into law. So you are uh, not running for office, but you are not done with politics in the slightest. Do you see yourself at some point in the future? Do you think you ever will run for office again? I definitely see myself running for office again. When? I'm not for sure. It's whenever the time is right. Mm-hmm. Um I, I want to make sure when I do that I am fully equipped, not only physically, mentally, emotionally, but I'm equipped in terms of making sure that everything goes in a good direction. And also, hopefully, I'll be in a different area where the pressure and the stress won't be as great as it was here uh, this past campaign. Mm-hmm. Well, we wish you the best um, and um, just hope that, uh, that you know, you will continue to stay in that good place you're in right now. So Kendall Martinez, right, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. Thank you so much, Sarah, for allowing me to share and Um, Thank you for allowing me to be in your space. I truly appreciate it.
This episode was produced by Evie Hempel with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.